0: you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And if you're just stepping in for the first time, or maybe you just missed last week, um, we started a brand new series called... um, Does anybody know what it's called? Well, it was determined, there you go, based on one of the greatest men that's ever lived. His name is... Elijah. Elijah. Yes, Elijah. And so the first time that we see him is in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, chapter 17, and um, I want to bring you up to speed just for the sake of continuity and just to refresh your minds in case you were not here, maybe you've forgotten. So first time we see him, chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, we don't know anything about him up to this point, okay? Uh, the Bible tells us the only thing that we learned, that we, we, we looked at last week was that he had incredible faith and courage, There had been, Israel had been through a period, about 200 years, where 19 consecutive kings have been leading the nation, and these were very wicked, very driven individuals, okay? This is not like mediocre kings, no, no, no. These are people that are very driven, and their whole goal was to pull people away from God, okay? The king that is serving at this time in First Kings chapter 18 is King Ahab. And he is one of the most wicked kings of all the 19s that, 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 that served year after year after year for 200 years. This guy is at the top, okay? This guy is the, I mean, some of the things that he did, I, I wouldn't even be brave enough to share with you on something more inside, like just gross immorality, just crazy stuff. His wife, Jezebel, was even worse than him. And so in chapter 17, Elijah, God sends Elijah to give this king a message. And he says, there's going to be no more, do you remember it? If you were here last week, there's going to be no more rain. rain. Now for you and I, it's like, okay, no, big, you know, no more rain, what's the big deal, right? But you have to, you have to keep in mind, this was an ag- agriculturally driven culture, they needed rain. Rain was everything. Rain was life, okay? For you and I, it would be like, like going to the gas station and not having any gas. It would be like trying the next one and there's no gas. I mean, they're like, you know, like you go to the bank. Banks are, you know, like they don't have, they can't give you money. You can't get your own money out. It's like unemployment is going through the roof. So this was when Elijah tells his wicked king, when he says, no more rain. Essentially, this was an economic shutdown. And I don't know how he had the faith and the courage to do that, but he did. Now, what's interesting is what God did after Elijah obeyed him. God is going to send Elijah through a season, through a period of time of training. He's going to tell Elijah to go hide. Do you remember the story? He's going to say, okay, Elijah, like Elijah did what God told him, like he went to the king, I mean, this guy could have had his head on a platter, he says no more rain, and I'm sure this king was, I mean, he was furious, but then the very next thing that God does, he says, I want you to go hide. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, when I obey God, I'm expecting something good in return, right? Like if you're faithful, you're expecting God, like am I the only one? You guys don't look at me like that. Okay, I'm, on, I'm not the only one, right? Like if you're faithful, you expect God to do something to come through for you, right? And so what I want you to know is that this was not a time where God was punishing Elijah. And if you're going through a season where God's building you up and training you and it's a season that's difficult, I want you to know God's not punishing you. God is building your faith. God is giving you some spiritual muscles. God is building you up. Does that make sense? So that's what that was last week First Kings chapter 17. God looks at Elijah and says, I went, I'm going to humble you privately so I can use you in a greater way publicly because of what he went through. The last thing that we mentioned was Elijah looked at this boy who was dead, and this had never been done before this this widow had a boy and and, and he takes the boy and he, he Prays this prayer that had never been prayed before. Like, you know, when we look at the Bible, you look at, you know, sometimes it's like, like history, right? But you have to put yourself in their position. Like when this prayer had never been prayed before. Like we don't have the story of Jesus coming, coming back from the dead. Like none of that had ever happened before. But because Elijah has been through some difficult things. So because Elijah has been going through A season of difficulty, a season where God's been building his faith. He can pray this prayer. He says, that had never been said before. He says, Lord, I don't know if you will, but I'm going to ask you to heal this boy, to give him life. And for the first time in history, we we see a dead man come to life because of what he had gone through. Now, there's one thing that we did not talk about last week. While Elijah goes away and he's hiding, Ahab, the, the wicked king, he is looking for him. And he is looking everywhere. Like he is going after him. And now we're not gonna look at the verse is not on the screen, but like if you look, like verse 10, it says that, that King Ahab searched every nation and every kingdom on earth from end to end. Like he wanted this guy, I mean, dead or alive. He did not care. I want that man, I want that because Elijah said, No more rain, and there was no more rain. Now these kings, they were used to power. Right? Like they were used to like the king would say, like whatever I say goes, my way or the highway. And so when, when, when Elijah says no more rain, I'm sure this guy felt totally powerless. And so he's looking for Elijah and he's going all over the place. The Bible says he's interrogating kings and asking them. He's trying to make sure that nobody's protecting Elijah. Elijah, in Ahab's mind, was a fugitive on the run. Like, topmost one wanted man, okay? At the same time, and where we pick up the story today, three years later, God looks at Elijah and says, I want you to go back and talk to the king and tell him that the rain is coming. Now imagine that, right? Like you do it once, then you go away, and you're hiding, you've made it, you're still alive, thank goodness, but you're on the run, and now God says... Hey, you remember that king that you told him about no more rain that's looking for you and he's wanting to kill you? That guy? Okay, I want you to go back. And I want you to tell him that the rain is coming. And so in verse 17, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17, the Bible says this. By the way, Ahab is desperate, okay? Because the Bible says there's severe famine. People are going hungry. Um, King Ahab is sending his people out to look for grass to feed his horses because they're about to die. And the horse in that day and age was a, 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 a tool, a weapon of war. Without horses, he was vulnerable. And so, so Ahab is, he's vulnerable, but he's so prideful. And I want you to see what happens. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab exclaimed, So... Is it really you, you, help me out, help me read the next word, you what, you troublemaker of Israel? So he saw him, and I don't know exactly how this was, and I don't know his tone, I don't know, but in my mind, I'm thinking, so I'm from far away, is that, like, is that him? I mean, I cannot believe, like, I've been looking for him for forever, and I think that's him, but I don't know, and then he gets closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden, he goes, oh, no, it is him. Oh, my goodness. And he asked the question, is that you, you troublemaker? Like that, that word, the word troublemaker, in the Hebrew, it could actually be translated snake or viper. Is that you, you low stinking snake? Look at all the mess that you've created. People are hungry. People are going, I mean, there's a huge famine. I mean, my horses are dying, all the animals. I mean, look at what you have done. Look at you've created the mess. And he's going after him. And I'm sure, like, I don't know, like, if I'm Elijah, I'd be, like, running out of there, you know. And, I mean, I can see Ahab approaching him. And Elijah's coming to him. And he's like, I cannot believe it. Now, I want you. What's so incredible and what I love about this story is that Elijah does not back down. If you look at the next verse, you'll see Elijah, the man of God, he's not like shivering. He's not afraid of this king. And with boldness, Elijah says to him, it's like, I'm not taking any of that junk. You know, it's not my fault. And I love that. That what Elijah does, because a lot of times people think that Christians are wimps. You know, a lot of times there's this picture of Jesus on the cross dying, and he's just, he's just, you know, flimsy and weak, and you know, but I want you to know Christianity is not about being weak. It's not about, you know, Jesus uses the word meek, strength, power under control. And Elijah is gonna apply one of the principles that I often teach you, and that is this. Every leader, I think John Maxwell said it, every leader carries two buckets. And when there are fires in life, whether it's at work, whether it's in your business, whether it's at school, whether it's your family, whether it's you know, dealing with your kids, every single one of you, you carry two buckets. One has water. The other one has fuel. You get to choose which bucket you're going to use when, the fire, when you see the fire. There are times when you, as a leader, you need to calm things down. You know, people are panicking. They don't know what they're, what's happening. They don't know what to do. You know, it, you know, emotions are high. And there's times when you need to be meek. You need to, be self, you need to exercise self-control. And you pour a little bit of water. There are times when you, as a leader, you know, there's apathy. Things are not getting done. Things are falling through the cracks. Kids are not obeying. You've said it over and over and over. You've shown grace. There are times when you need to bring the heat and you need to say, you know what, I'm going to pour a little bit of fuel on this because they need to, I need to shake this team up. I need to shake this group up. I need to, I need to show them that like what's going on. is like, it's not acceptable. And what I love is that Elijah, even though this king could have had his head on a platter, Elijah in this situation doesn't back down. And he looks at him, and as they're approaching each other, and the king is saying, You low stinking snake, and the Elijah is like, I'm not taking any of that. Watch, look in verse 18. It says, I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. So he's taking a stand. He says, You and your family are the troublemakers. Watch this. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord, and you have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now, I want to I make a practical point here. I think it's a good place to make it. Above all else, the one thing that God wants from you and from me, above anything else, is our heart. You know that? Above all the things, you know, like you could, you could have perfect attendance, you could have, you know, your tithing record could be perfect, you could serve, you could be a part of share the love, you could be like just the perfect Christian, but I want you to hear me. Above all else, the thing that God wants from you is your heart. In fact, the hardest thing that I do as a pastor is to guard my heart. Do you know that? You know, it's not, the, it's not the calls in the middle of the night, you know people complaining it's not you know the you know people are difficult and they're criticizing or whatever it's not no 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 it's none of those it's keeping my heart in the right place and you you think oh pastor you, you get you get paid to to study the bible you get paid to pray you get paid you know but it is the hardest thing and it's the one thing that god wants the most from us now let me ask you this i want you to think about it with me if that is the thing that god wants the most what is the thing that you think the enemy wants the most? It's to steal your heart from him. It's the one thing that the enemy's after. It's your heart. You look at the Bible, Old Testament, Ten Commandments. Help me out. What's the number? What was the first commandment of all of them? Thou shall have no what? No, the God's before me. You fast forward to the New Testament when they're asking Jesus, "What's the?" It was it was a uh, it was a question that was difficult because up now by now the Pharisees have added, had added so many rules and so many regulations and so many other commands, and so there's like over six hundred rules and regulations, and they're trying to trick Jesus, and they're they're asking, "What's the most important commandment?" And remember what Jesus says: "You will love your your the love you will love the Lord." Your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. So, all over the Bible, the one thing above anything else that God is after is not checking off the boxes, it's your heart. And if that's what He wants the most, that's what the enemy wants the least. And so, watch what happens next. Elijah says to Ahab, you're following the gods of Baal. By the way, if you're taking notes, write this down, Baal. And we put that put it up on the screen. He was the sun god. He was the fire god. Why is this important? The king, what he would do is he would say, if you worship the god of the fire and the god of the sun, he will help you grow your crops. In other words, your life will be so much better. All you have to do is just serve him. All you have to do is just worship him. And that's what the enemy wants. Now, here's the key thought of the day. And I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else, get this, okay? Let's put it on the the screen. False gods promise what only the true God provides. Can you tell your neighbor that? Let's all say it. If you're not sitting next to someone else, just say it out loud with me, okay? False gods promise what only the true God provides. Let's do it again. Everybody hold together. We can do better. (laughs) False God's promise. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I want you to think about it for a moment. Think about it. False God's promise. But only the true God provides. I know this one thing. We're not struggling with worshiping the God of the sun, right? That's, like, that's not a big deal to us. But there are some other gods that are, are a little bit more socially acceptable. Okay? Like when none of us are struggling to worship Baal, right? But let me give you an example of maybe another god, little g, that is more socially acceptable in our world. Money promise you, I'm not asking you about money, but I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? Money says, money will promise us something that only God can provide. Think about it with me. Money says, if you have some of me, you will feel more safe and secure, right? A lot of people believe that. You have a little bit more of me, you're gonna feel safe, you're gonna feel secure, right? But if you think about it, If you go to the doctor tomorrow and he says, you have cancer, you're only going to live 30 days. There's really no amount of money that can make you feel more safe, right? There's no more money. I mean, you can have millions in your bank account. You're not going to feel more secure if you're dying. If if you go to the doctor tomorrow and he says, you have cancer, you only have 30 days. It's over. That's not, not, no amount of money is going to help you there. You know? Like money says, if you have some more of, of me, then you can feel you can feel not just secure and safe, but if you have more money, you will feel... You will, you will be happy. A lot of people believe that, right? And they're pursuing... Man, they work so hard. You know, it's everything about just going, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder and just getting ahead. And essentially, is if I have more of this, then I'm going to be happier. But if you find out that you, you've lost a loved one or your child dies, there's no amount of money that will buy you happiness in that moment does that make sense so there are so many so- socially acceptable gods in our culture that we believe you know it's not the god of Baal but we believe those things are going to promise something that that only really god can provide so the question for us this morning is this and i asked myself the same question as i was preparing the message Lauren, what kind of gods, little g, are socially acceptable in my world? Because the truth is, in my life, there are some little gods that sometimes they creep back up. And sometimes I I struggle and I have to cut them out. But if I'm not careful, I end up worshiping those and I end up serving those little gods. As much as I love the Lord, there are times when I just go off track. And that's a question that only you can ask yourself. Is it the God of materialism? You know, I know it's not going to be the God of Baal, but sometimes I put all of my hope, all of my aspirations on that house, on that car. Man, if I had that house with that pool, if I had that car, man, my life, I'd be so much happier if I had that thing with this or that, you know. It could even be your child, your children. Sometimes I know parents, I mean, they worship their kids. Their kids cannot ever do anything wrong. Anything that you elevate above the one true God essentially is becoming a little G-O-D God. Does that make sense? Anything that you say, okay, this is more important than you is becoming a God in your life. Now, listen to the message that Elijah gives the people. Powerful message. Do not miss it. Now, here's the thing. Here's as a, as a communicator, one of the things that I struggle with is making sure this doesn't turn it out this doesn't sound like a history lesson, right? Because if it's a history lesson, then it's like, oh, cool, we learned about Elijah. No, no, no. I want you to know we're talking about you. This is a message that God has preserved for you. Do you understand? Like, this is, this is not the message that God gave the people of Israel. No, no, no. This is a message that God has given you today. Not the person sitting next to you, not your wife, not your spouse, not your husband, not your kids. This is a word of God straight to you, to your heart. And I want you to listen to it. If you study church history, you know that throughout the ages, throughout history, there's been times when the Bible has been people, wicked leaders have done whatever they could to, uh, to get rid of the Bible, to get rid of the message. I mean, there's been times when I mean, they, they would get hundreds and thousands of Bibles and they would burn them. And God chose to preserve this message for you and for me for today. So when you look at, when we read the next, the next three verses, I want you to process that through the lens of, God, you preserve this story for, such a, for, this, for today, okay? So listen to it. So what he says, verse 19, Elijah says, basically, to, to Ahab, now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel. Along with the 450 prophets of, of what? Of Baal. And the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. I love, I love that God's grace and God's message extends to everyone. So Elijah is not just having the message for the people that were worshiping God through the, through the, you know, the three years of, of drought. No, the message of grace is to all of us. God... Your mess does not intimidate God. You, you, you follow me? Like your mess, like God can handle your mess, okay? Like whatever you're going through, God's, look, God's not like going like, oh, my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. Look at Johnny. You know, he's struggling with this relationship, and I don't know what's going to Oh, my goodness. Look at, uh, you, know, at Peter, like, you know, Peter, like, you know, he lost his job, and I don't know how he's going to pay the bills. No, 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 no. God, God looks at your mess, and he says, bring it. I can handle it. And so Elijah says, get all the people, all the people that are worshiping Baal, all those that are into witchcraft, all those people that are sacrificing infants, all of them, the worst of the worst, like the worst sinners ever. I want you to bring them because I have a message of truth. I have a message of grace that I want to communicate to them. Verse 19, 20. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Verse 21. Here's a message for you. It's not just Elijah speaking to Israel. It is God speaking to your heart. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God follow him. Now, when I read the next part, it blew me away. I thought, if I preach this to life one, they'll fire me. That's what I thought. <laughs> like, if I preach what the next, what he's preaching next, I'm like, it's over for me, okay? Like, I got to go find another church. I got to go somewhere else. What, listen to what he's preaching. This is a man of God, right? This is a prophet. It says, but if Baal is God, then what? Follow him? No, 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 no. Elijah, you got that wrong. No, 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 no. That's, you don't ever encourage the people of God or whoever to, to follow the other gods. No, no, that's, that's, you're, you got that wrong. He says, stop wavering between two opinions. If you believe in the true God, worship him. But the part that got me is, if you believe in this other... Because there's been times in my life when I'm, I put the God of money above... The one true God in my life. There's been times when I I put the God of materialism above my God. Or I put the the God of doubt above my God. And in my mind, I want to believe, but in my heart, I'm doing exactly the opposite. It it would be like me saying something like this. It would be like me saying, okay, okay, okay. If, if, If your God is accumulating things, then go for it. Just accumulate. Don't just do it a little bit at a time. No, 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 no. Like, accumulate as much as you can. Don't ever save anything. Don't ever be generous. If your God is accumulating things, just go for it. Steal if you have to. Can you see me preaching that? I'd be like, what's wrong with that guy? If your God is your image, then, man, get into the gym. Don't ever eat anything. Man, not just like once a week or twice or three times. No, no. Like, go like three, four, five hours. If your God is appearance, only brand name clothes. You're only allowed to buy designer clothes, okay? Don't ever buy anything cheap. Most, all, the only thing you can buy is most expensive shoes and most expensive cars. You don't have the iPhone that just came out a month ago? Oh, man, you're, lo- you're a loser. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's not a message that you expect me to preach, right? Right? If it's sexual pressure pleasure then don't let something as small as marriage hold you back if you're single pff, even better go for it be wild you see you see what elijah is saying if it's your house that's your that's your god don't do a little room at a time man get get like hire the most expensive people you know get alone get in debt get it all done So Elijah is saying, "Make a decision. If stop riding defense, quit playing around. If if Christ is the Son of God, then quit wavering and serve Him with all of your heart. Don't claim Him and then live your life the rest. Claim Him on Sunday, live the rest of your life as if He doesn't exist. Serve Him, honor Him." With every hour, every minute of your day, don't just use them as fire insurance. And when it comes to loving people, you know, we're sharing, we're kind of doing this initiative, share the love, get into the community, let's be the church. If, if you're really going to do this, then get in the game. But don't do it halfway. Don't ride the fence. That's the message of the Bible. It's all over. Like, I can, man, I can take you so much scripture about God saying, get in All in. Make sure your loyalty is not divided. There was an ad that I saw a few weeks ago uh, about New York Insurance. I think it's New York Insurance, Um, and it talks a little bit about this. And I think it was during the Super Bowl. That's when I saw it. Uh, Did you guys see it by any any chance? The New York um, Life, New York Life uh, ad. Anybody? No. Okay. Can we play it real quick, guys? I just—it's about a minute. We're almost done. Band, you guys can get on the stage. We're we're gonna wrap this up. Let's play this. The ancient Greeks had four words for love. The first is philia. Philia is affection that grows from friendship. Next, there's storge, the kind you have for a grandparent Today. or a brother. Oh, Third, there's eros, the uncontrollable urge to say, "I love you." The fourth kind of love is different. It's the most admirable. It's called agape. Love as an action. It takes courage, sacrifice, strength. Okay. For 175 years, we've been helping people act on their love. So they can look back or look ahead and say, we got it right. He did good. What kind of love? Agape. It's the kind of love that says, I'm all in. Bible says, for God so loved the world. It was that same word, agape. He is all in. When he came to rescue you, he didn't say, for God somewhat loved the world. Those people are kind of messy. Are you you getting it? For for God so loved, and then fill it in with your your name. For God so loved, and it wasn't somewhat, it was, I'm going to give you what's the most valuable to me. I'm going to give you what no one else would ever give. My son. I, 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 I want you to know I am all in. And if you would have been the only person alive today, I still would have done it. It's a message of the Bible. It's all over. You go to uh, James. It says, if you need wisdom, does anybody need wisdom? I need wisdom, yep. I need a lot of wisdom. How I lead my family, how I lead the church, how I lead myself. If you need wisdom, James says... In the New Testament. It's years later after this story. Ask our generous God. He's a generous God. He loves you. And He'll give it to you. He's not going to rebuke you for asking. But watch this. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So he says, you, want, you need wisdom? I'll give it to you. I love to give you things. I give you my son, for goodness sake. Yeah, just ask me. Don't be afraid. You can ask me. But make sure that if you ask me, make sure that your faith is in me alone. Don't waver. Don't go, don't go back between. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they're unstable in everything they do. So it's not just Elijah telling the Israelites not to waver between two opinions. If the Lord God, if, if He is your Savior, then follow Him. But if it's that car, go after it. If it's the house... Go for it. If it's your career, then just, you know, why even show up? If it's money, if it's a child, then go after those things. Don't say you're a Jesus follower and then ride the fence. He's not not looking for half-hearted commitments. It's a tough message, isn't it? I'm there with you. I'm not just preaching at you. I'm, I'm there. I was like, holy cow, Lord. I'm sorry. I had to apologize a couple of times. Even as I was, I preached this message already once. I preached it to myself like three or four times. And every time I'd be like, Lord Jesus, you know my heart. I'm sorry. It's a tough one, isn't it? You fast forward even a little bit further. Book of Revelation. And God's talking to a church, a specific church that, was, that existed in that time. But he's also talking to you, right? Not foolish enough to feel like, oh, this is not for me. And he says in Revelation chapter 3, he says, I know all the things you do. Oof, that's a scary thought. That you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich and I have everything I want and I don't need anything. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, just between you and the Lord, I want you to ask yourself this question. Which God or little gods am I serving? I can't do that for you. I can't ask that question on your behalf. I want you to think about the little gods in your life that could be creeping back up into your life. Is there an area that you may have left unattended and you need to say, God, I'm sorry? I'm full of pride. Would you please forgive me, God? God, I've turned my head and my heart in the wrong direction. God, would you give me a second chance? A hundredth chance some cases. God, I don't want to be like the wave of the sea being blown and tossed by the, the wind in all directions, God. Help me to have my own convictions. Help me to honor you in every way I can. This whole initiative, share the love, God, I don't want to just share the love when the church is doing that. God, help me to be sold out for you. I want to be so on fire for you, God. God. Help me. I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel. So would you just take a minute between you and the Lord. Just talk to him. You don't need me. I'm not your priest. You don't need to go through me to get to the Father. You can do that on your own because of the Son. So would you just tell him. Just talk to him. Tell him whatever's on your heart. He's listening. I read in my devotions this morning, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. What a promise. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, in the same way, He will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So it's not over until He says it's over. If you're alive, you have a purpose If you're alive, he's pursuing you. If you're alive, the one thing he wants the most is your heart. Guard it. It's the hardest thing I do. Father, your word tells us that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. They're like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So God... If it's between you and material things, material possessions, help us to choose you, God. Father, if it's between you and a car, a house, a relationship, God, if it's between you and her, between you and him, God, help me to choose you, God. If it's between me and a negative attitude, I choose you, Lord. Help me. I need you. God, thank you for the message that you've given us today. Thank you for the message that you have preserved for us today. Give us the courage to apply it tomorrow. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and worship together. Next week, you do not want to miss next week. Next next week is spiritual fireworks. It's a confrontation. You do not want to miss it. Make sure you invite someone.